Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. church we still can't have it we still can't have it without you we need you and we're so grateful for your faithfulness in this house so we're going to continue on with this message series this morning if you're taking notes at home which i hope that you are i hope that you're leaning in with your spouse or your friends or whoever it is and i hope that you're keeping your hands clean and i hope that you're watching your comings and your goings and that we're all being wise during this time but if you're taking notes the title of my message this morning is but i thought he would but I thought he would. We're going to start with 2 Kings 5, 8 through 14 this morning. We are going to the Old Testament. Somebody say OT. OT. Old school. I was saying if you would continue to parrot me. I hope you're parroting me at home. It's going to be good. Awesome. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? 
Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be made clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and his God, and he would wave his hand over the place where the, and cure the leprosy. And are not Abana and Farfer, Farfer, uh, Farfer, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash them and be made clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servant came near to him. He said, my father, it is a great word that this prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of a man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Yeah. So we're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord is going to do with that. Sound good? Yeah. Kind of God, I'm trying not to lose up here. I didn't think I'd be overcome with emotion at this moment. I didn't think I would have the week that I had with the things going on that we had, and and I didn't think that I'd hear a prayer request for a family this morning. God, that little daughter passed away. Well, my dad wasn't allowed because of a cough. And so, Father God, right now, right now, God, we've seen you in the book of Acts do far more through a room of people worshiping and lifting up the promises of God. And we need it to happen again. God, right now, by the power inside all of us, given to us by the Holy Spirit, when Jesus prophesied, greater works will you do than even I. We are calling on those greater works. We are calling heaven down into this earth right now. And we are proclaiming and we are believing and we are lifting up faith right now that coronavirus has to die, that it has to shrivel up, that it has to go back to hell where it came from, that your plan for this earth is to be restored and be remade new. It's be made in your image and likeness once again, God. So right now, we know it's not your desire that humans would leave in fear leave in sickness. So God, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for heaven. If you're at home right now, it's hard for you to believe in a God right now, in Jesus right now. I just want to pour faith into you right now. I want to pray faith into you right now, a greater measure of faith into you right now. We ask that God would give you greater faith right now, a renewed relationship with him, that he would continue to draw close to you, and that you would know that he is near so you could draw close to him. God, we thank you that your judgment just saves us all week. We thank you that your judgment, God, isn't found in a virus. It isn't found in fear. It certainly isn't found in disease, but it is found in the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that this isn't happening to judge the world, God. But you are still ever-present. You are still making a way where there is no way. And we trust you right now in this season more than anything, God. And we're believing in this season for a testimony all over this globe that says, I found Christ during the coronavirus. Not out of fear, but out of the fact, God, that you're the only one that has his head above this whole thing. And we trust you. We trust your word. 
right now in Jesus' mighty name of Faithville Church said. sanctification process alongside you. I have had this thought. I just, I just thought it would. Even this morning, when we were setting up cameras and trying to live stream this thing, just got thought it would. <laughs> and so here's Naaman in the story. He's got leprosy. He's got a disease that body parts will start falling off. Skin condition. He can begin to rot and to be so gnarly that he has actual limbs, he has nose, he has ears, he has hands, he has fingers and toes, he has things, extremities that will just begin to fall off the longer this thing goes on for it. If you know anything about the Bible and the Old Testament and, and even up into the New Testament, if you know anything about the day and age, if you were a leper, if you had leprosy, you were basically done. You were an outcast. You were casted out. You were like, nah, you go out here, bop, see you later, never chance. Like, you don't have a place in society. You don't have a place to vote. You don't have a place to collect taxes. You don't have a place to go and eat. You're not allowed in marketplaces. You are basically a beggar outside the city gates, hoping that when somebody comes to the city, they will help you out. And so here's Damon. And Damon is in a place where he just began to think that I just thought he would. 
there's something I kind of want to begin to proclaim over this series right now that when you're in that place where you begin to doubt God, if the devil can get you in a place where you will doubt what God says is best for your life, you will miss out on the victory that God has for your life. If, God, if the devil can get you to a place where you begin to doubt God's process in your life, you will miss out on God's blessing over your life. Friends, I came to church today in the middle of this crazy madness that's going on to declare a truth to you this morning. It's very simple. You can write this down. You can tattoo this on your arm so you don't forget it. And it's simple that you will receive, about, you will receive from God what you believe about God. Come on, church. I said it this morning. You will receive from God what you believe about God. So many of us, we miss out on the blessings. We miss out on breakthrough. We miss out on victory. We miss out on the things that we get to praise God about on the daily. When we begin to question the character, the heart of who God is, because the biggest lie in there is that if you will begin to question who God is, ultimately you begin questioning who you are to him. You're not just questioning who God is. Oh, is he this big? Is he this mighty? Is he this that? No, 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 no. That's the, the people wonder that all the time, okay? We wonder, we, we think about these things daily. No, no, no. When we begin to actually question the heart and the motives of God, what we're actually questioning, whether we're putting words to it or not, is are we still important to him? Maybe I need to break that down a little bit more for us, that not just we as a collective human being, a collective human race. But am I still important to God? Are you still important to God? It's Matt McClure with all of my mess ups and all of my baggage and all the times that I self-sabotage. All the doubt that I struggle with, all the hurt that I felt, all the things that are going on inside of me. Am I too diseased? Am I too messed up? Am I too torn up from the floor up that God would remain close to me? But I thought that he would. When we begin to live from a place of questioning the character and the heart of God, we will begin to question our relationship with him, how he sees us and how we see him, did we get it wrong? Were those miracles just happenstance? I'm not seeing it in this time. I saw him do all these other things. Maybe that was just the universe. Maybe that was just karma. Maybe that was just fairy dust and Bugatti. I don't know. Maybe it was just a system of alignment, some random things happening. Maybe the, the axis of the earth just shine a little bit brighter on the Capricorns that day. Stupid, by the way. <laughs> Stupid. But maybe when we begin to question who he is in this season, it will ruin the testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It will begin to ruin the testimony we have. Oh, I've seen you do it again. I've seen you do it before. I believe you're going to do it again. But when we begin to question who he is now, we will begin to misinterpret in hindsight what he's already done for us. We will begin to take his hand and his name off the promises he's already fulfilled in our lives. And we will cheat change and discount what he's done. And we will fail to believe him in the present, which means we will refuse and we will forfeit our blessings and our victory and our breakthrough in the future. Amen, church? Come on. Yeah. You will receive 
from God what she believed about God. And so here's Naaman, which I don't think is unhuman, by the way. I don't think it's unhuman. Have you ever been in that position where I can only imagine being, the, uh, being Elisha at this moment? So Elisha's this great prophet. He's the man. He's awesome. He's a man from God. He's like, he got the hookup to like God's healing powers and his ability and his word, and he can call down cool stuff, and he can do awesome things. Like He is just like God's dude right now, okay? He has got God's hand all over his life. And you don't see any, you don't say anything that God's not telling him to say. You don't go anywhere that God's not telling him to go. Like Elijah's the guy. And so here is Naaman, and he's this big uh, general, if you will, in the Syrian army. And he is amazing, army of Syria. And he's awesome, and he gets word that he can go to the king of Israel because the king of Israel's got a prophet named Elijah, and he's got a direct link to God. And here's this general, this corporal, this guy that these guys depend on for battle who's got leprosy. And so he makes it all the way there. And there's this thing that we always tell our team all the time, and it's this idea that submission will take you further than ambition ever will. And here's the thing about that. Naaman, he had all the ambition in the world. He was like, what? There's a dude named Elijah that can just hogwarts all over my arm, and I'm fine. Sweet. All right, load the chariots, give me some food, we're doing all this stuff, and I will drive however, wherever, as fast as I need to. I will get there day and night to meet with this dude, Elijah. I got all the ambition in the world. But what ends up happening is when Naaman arrives and he hears what God says to do, just imagine again being, being the messenger. It's not even Elijah, by the way. Elijah's all chilling aside, he's doing this thing. Yeah, hey, can you go tell him that he just needs to go dunk in the, in the Jordan seven times? He'll be, yeah, he'll be restored, he'll be clean. Just go tell him that. Yeah, he's here. I know, I know, I know. He's a big wig, he's an army. Israel's bigger than Syria, bro. Chill out. Like, you're not that big of a deal here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, go and tell him to do this. I mean, can you imagine, like, Everybody hates being the bearer of bad news, but can you imagine being happy to be the bearer of good news? That's a lot more uncomfortable when the guy you're going to tell, hey, it's the prophet, dude. He's in there, just chilling, doing his thing. He's the king, cool stuff. He told me to tell you that if you would just go over there to that nasty, nasty Jordan River, if you don't know, Jordan was nasty, okay? That's why Naaman was sitting here going, I can go to all these other places that no Americans in 2020 are going to be able to pronounce. pronounce. I can go to all those places. And get clean, the water's clean, and go to all those places. Yeah, 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 I get it, David. But he said, go to the nasty, 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 dunk yourself seven times, your flesh will be restored, and you will be made clean. And David was like, no. You see, in that moment when David said no to the servant, the servant goes back inside, he goes back to Elijah, and David is there with his servant. David says no. He wasn't willing to submit what God said was best for his life, for the process that God says is best for your life. See, he had all the ambition in the world to get oh, what he needed, to get his relief, to get his restoration, to get his healing, to go further, to progress in this world. How many of us all the time, we have got the ambition to start it, but when God says, this is my process to get there, often we don't like God's processes. Why? Because he's going to tell us to go jump, dunk ourselves in the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is nasty. We have preferences. We have things that we'd rather prefer. We've seen YouTube people do it this way. We've had somebody explain it this way. We saw somebody else lead the company this way. We saw somebody else start a church this way. They lead worship like this over here. But God said to you how you're going to receive what I have for you, healing, calling, finances, provision, whatever it is in your life. 
submission to the word of God is going to take you further than ambition towards your calling, ambition towards your promises, ambition towards what God has for you. Submission will take you further than ambition ever will. Ambition brought him to a prophet. But ambition wasn't going to get him the healing from God that he came to seek so desperately. Amen? Yeah. But here's the thing. Again, you will receive from God what you believe about God. When David is talking to his servant, he's just huffing and puffing, right? Can you believe this smug prophet over here? Tell me I need to go dug myself in the nasty, nasty. I am a general. I am a corporal. I am somebody back in Syria. Tell you what. I ain't doing that. And the servant's just like, you the biggest idiot of all time. He just said, you just got to go dunk yourself seven times, come up the eighth time, go stay down there, dunk yourself seven times, come up the eighth time, and you will not only be restored, but you will also be clean. He's not worried about the nasty, nasty. He just told you. Wasn't it a simple thing he just said? Wash yourself. And your flesh will be restored like a baby's bottom, and you will be yeah. clean. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about God that I'm learning, especially right now, especially since planning a church, essentially since leading a, a, a staff and all these new things, having a marriage, man. We were planning a church like a year after we got married. Like, there's just so much that we are learning on the go, and now we're doing it in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, there's like things that I've learned where God is about miracles. Yeah. God is all about miracles. Miracles, though, when we're praying for a miracle, you've got to understand, God has two objectives when it comes to that's three. God has, God has two. God has two. <laughs> this, this guy, you know what I'm saying? God's got two objectives when it comes to miracles in your life when there's a boom there it is miracle and you just see it happen right before your eyes and you see it your friends see it she sees it you get a miracle you get a miracle you get a miracle everybody gets a miracle when that happens that's the build of faith miracles god's provision his answer his healing is always to build faith but what happens when the miracle doesn't happen in the moment and god tells you something else like hey there's a process we don't like that. We don't like that at all, right? Am I, am I being honest? We hate processes. We would rather be like, why can't you just shake the tree and manna fall? Like, why not? We want immediate miracles from God. And immediate miracles from God always build faith in you and those around you. But God's chief concern isn't always just building faith for a moment. God's chief concern often for the church is that he would build faithfulness for the endurance. Yeah, right. Faithfulness for the duration, for the church. He wants to see you build faithfulness for the long haul. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to listen to my word? Are you going to push out all these other voices over here? They're telling you this is the protocol, and these are the drugs, and this is the way to do it, and here's a YouTube program, and here's how to be an Instagram influencer, and here's how to do all of these things. The church, by the way, has been influencing people a lot longer than Instagram's been around. God bless right. you. Yeah. When God says, here's a process to build faithfulness in you, often.
often we're going to be found just like Naaman, and we're going to be like, no, no. I want the miracle now. I want the big boom now. I want the boop, there it is now. I want the whoop, there it is now. I want all of it right here and right now. But I'm assuming you're a person of faith, which is why you're believing right now. You're a person who has faith in Jesus, which is why you're praying right now. You're a person who is following after Christ with everything you have, that you're a Bible-believing and spirit-filled and blood-soaked Christian, and you are pursuing the things of God, which is why you're believing right now. Maybe God's chief concern isn't building faith in you for a moment, but he wants to build faithfulness in you for the duration. Amen? So here's Naaman. God's trying to build some faithfulness in Naaman. He's trying to build some trust with Naaman. He's trying to build a relationship with Naaman, just like he is with some of us. I mean, how, what, what would a relationship with God, if a miracle is to kickstart a relationship with God, which it so often is with non-believers, which is why we go to the streets and we go to the markets and we go to places that we don't. And we ask to lay hands on people and we have new people in church. We offer to pray with them and get to meet them and to know them and do relationships with them because there's a miracle, there's a beginning to this thing. It's going to instill and build faith. But when it's a Christian, so often we see God go, yep, boom, there it is. But at other times, once we have hindsight of obedience, again, church, blessings always follow obedience. Once we have some hindsight of obedience in our lives, all of a sudden we can turn around and look back at it and go, man, if he would have just gave me what I wanted right back here, I would have missed out on all this character development. I would have missed out on all this faithfulness. I would have missed out on building intimacy with my wife as we began to pray and believe and we surround ourselves with the word of God. I would have missed out on, on the friends that I met with along the way. I would have missed out on all of these things. There's no doubt that God can still do great and amazing things, but if I'm looking in hindsight of my obedience, I didn't say no to God when he told me to go and dump seven times and get up eight. Instead, I, I chose to go to the Jordan. I chose to do it God's way. I chose to, chose to trust him in the process. And in the middle of the process, we built a relationship. We built a foundation. And I began to have faithfulness for the long haul because I saw him do it this entire walk, this entire journey, this entire way. I was disgruntled. I was angry. I started to doubt. But I kept walking and I kept trusting. And here I am living in the middle of my miracle. And I am a person, not of faith, but of faithfulness. Here's Naaman. And Naaman is a person of faith. He had a little spark in faith. He was over here going like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a prophet to read. Ooh, yeah, my message here. Here's the horse. Let's go to Israel. Boom. But he didn't realize that when he got here that God didn't just want to, God just didn't want to know him for the brief moment of maybe this miracle happening. Elisha stayed inside, and he told Naaman, or he told his servant to go tell Naaman, hey, God says, not Elijah says, the servant says, the prophet inside, Elisha, says that God, big guy upstairs, says to you, Naaman, go over that nasty river, drop yourself in there seven times, come up eight, and you will be clean, and you will be whole, and you will be resurrected. And Naaman, he didn't like that prophet. God is not committed to your preferences. He's committed to your 
committed to your faithfulness. He's not committed to your preference. He's committed to the person. He's not committed to the person's preferences. He's committed to you. He wants to build something in you. He wants to do great things through you in this season. And here's the thing I think that we kind of we kind of miss when we read the Bible sometimes. I think we miss often that you know, there's some beauty in, in, in God's word. There's a reason it's in the word of God the way it is. There's a reason that it says to go and dunk yourself seven times. Can I submit to you this morning, wherever you are, that numbers in the Bible always have a position, they always have a place, and they always have a greater meaning than simply being numbers. Okay? There is meaning and there is significance in repetition. There is meaning and there is significance in these words and these numbers that God has placed in the word of God. Like seven. Go and dunk yourself in that nasty place seven times and come up eight. Can I submit to you this morning that seven is a number of completion, but eight is a number of new beginnings. Can I submit to you this morning that when God made the earth and he spoke the heavens in position, he put all this in place to create human beings, that on the seventh day he rested because it was complete. But it's new beginnings, the new way of world, the new way things would operate, the new outlook humans would have, the new relationship that you would have with them, all of these things. The new beginning happened on day eight. And it started back at one. This is not Brian McKnight. Nobody gets that reference unless you're all jamming Brian McKnight right now. It started back at one. Sorry. On the seventh day, he rested because it was complete. But on the eighth day, there was a new beginning. So here's the prophet, Elijah. He says to his servant, he tells Naaman, go and dunk yourself seven times, and then you will be healed. Your flesh will be resurrected. Your flesh will be whole. Your flesh will look great. But when you come up eight, you're going down seven times, but you've got to come up at eight times. When you come up the eight time, your new beginning starts. You are now clean, church. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Are you seeing where I'm going right now? There is beauty in his numbers. There is faithfulness in your repetition. And God is committed to you in the process. But for so many of us, we're going to miss out on the resurrection on the other side of repetition. Because here we are. Man, God gives us a process, and so often we don't even make it to the seventh time going down to come up the eighth time. So many of us, we're fighting battles and we're going through things and we need areas of healing. And I think about single people and the world that you live in right now. Snapchat and texting and Tinder and all these things that I didn't even have. We had Nextel two-way, okay? Like, I had to be two miles from a girl, like, for it to work. Like, there was no, no, no chirp, chirp, nothing, okay? Chirp, chirp, nothing. Hashtag chirp, chirp, nothing. Nextel, call me. We're going to do something, all right? Boost Mobile, we're coming, we're bringing it back. Take over church. Let's do it. Sponsor me. So, that's stupid. But I think about the world that we live in is, now single people and man, God says here's a process God deliver me from this sexual sin that I got going on it's not that I'm just overloaded on testosterone and I'm just horned up all the time that's not the case 
It just happens to be that this is the world that we live in, and I'm sorry. I got people sliding in my DMs, and God, I'm really trying to be holy, and I'm really trying to be pure, and I'm really trying to do it the way Pastor Matt says to do it, and I'm really trying to do it the way the Bible says to do it. And Jesus is like, hey, if your hand calls you to sin, cut it off, but that freaks me out. And I'm like, no, and I'm trying to figure these things out. Hello. Tell the truth and shame the devil, right? And I'm trying to figure these things out. But man, I can I can bat away one text. And I can delete three Snapchats. But man, when I start getting images four times, five times, six times, oh, there is there is there is there is surely no, there is no victory. I don't have the capacity. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the faithfulness at this moment, God begin to develop something in me because I can make it to turning away someone three times on late night text, but I can't turn them down seven, and I'm surely not going to come up from an eighth beginning. I don't know what to do right now. So often, we have a hard time going down seven times, let alone coming up to eight times. Think about marriages. I mean, how many of us we began to do it God's way and started meeting with our amazing people's pastors, Dave and Jane Vining, and going through marriage counseling with them. And how many of us, man, we, we get to the nitty-gritty, we get past the first hangout where there's a dinner and it's good, we're all just laughing, it's, it's, it's all service, and they're not going to find out how screwed up I really am yet. And it's okay, and then next Thursday roll around, and all of a sudden there's questions, and, and we make it through week one because those are still some softball throws, and it wasn't that bad. And, I didn't have to tell him how, how bad it really is between her and I and what she says to me and even worse, what I do outside of our house. And, and we don't have to get to these things yet. And then we come to the second week and, and I just want our marriage to be good now. Why do we have to ask these questions now? Why do we have to have this process now? Why do I got to dunk into all of this nastiness into my psyche, into who I am, into my heart now? Why can't I, why can't I just have my new beginning right now? So often, so often we will get four weeks in on counseling and well, we started to have some good communication, you know. I bought her flowers. She started holding my hand on the couch while I'm watching football. Because the XFL is a better good, she likes it. Start to be good, and we just have the thought, you know, maybe, maybe we can take this Thursday off. Maybe we don't need to go for the fifth time. Maybe we don't need to go down five times. Maybe right now we can just have a new beginning. Maybe we've gotten, like, we're, we're communicating better. Except I've got this level of depth on the inside of me still where my heart is turned away from her. I'm hardened still from what she said. I'm hardened even more from the choices I've made outside of our relationship and our marriage. And I am messed up and jacked up. But right now, we're talking okay. So I think we can nurse this thing a little bit longer before it really hits the fan again. And I need to go back for a fifth time. I think we can do it. And then suddenly, a couple weeks go by and now we're doing so good. I go, yeah, it's so good. We don't need to come back for the fifth week yet. Oh, we're still good. We're still good. Hey, hon, what's, what's this in your history? Ah. Uh, and all of a sudden, that communication that we were good at for four weeks, and we were okay at for the fifth week. But we ain't been going back, because now we're on week six, and now she's asking about what's going on on the desktop computer in her office, and what's this history all about, and suddenly our communication ain't so good, because she was really clear with her question, and yet here I am acting a fool on my side of things. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
kind of seems like you got some terrible people in your life. You, do you realize you don't even hang out with people from church? You don't hang out with a single person who's under the same teaching and the same worship and the same community as you, with the same heart, the same spirit, going the same direction after the same God. You don't even hang out with them on a weekly basis. You hang out with them when something's wrong and you need to pick me up in your faith. But right now, the reason you're depressed and you're anxious and you're worried and you have anxiety for days is because you are over here doing the same dumb thing. You start the process at one by hanging out with some Christians for one week, and then you move away from them, and you don't finish out the race. You don't get with them long enough to actually build some faithfulness in you and to realize that the reason you're depressed is because you've got people in your life who are nothing but negative, who are speaking nothing but news channels and throwing Twitter at you and all of these things, and all you do is discuss politics and all these things, but you don't talk nothing about the promises of God over here. They don't even believe in that God. They might be social Christians. They may be Facebook Christians. They Christians. They might be social media Christians. But they over here ain't talking about Jesus or nothing or how he's going to overcome this COVID-19. No wonder you're depressed. you got to come over here. you got to start doing it God's way. God's way is the only way that's going to give way to God's blessings in your life. God's way is the only thing that's going to give way to God's blessings in your life. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Again, how good was this time of worship that we had this yeah. morning? Yeah, rock. You guys are so cool. Cool with worship team, though. So here's Naaman. Much like all of us, when we start the process. Say it has to. Yeah. Good. So often, following God in these processes, I can't be the only person that would rather have a microwave miracle. Because I'll stand there and I'll look at what I'm preparing in the kitchen and I will check it. I'll see if it's bubbling over. I want to I want, I'll put up the highest heat. I will set up every smoke detector in my house if it means I can have my process finished sooner. And so often we're the same way with God. Here's Naaman, and I got to believe he's, he's dipping into the nasty Jordan River and he starts going down and he's like, God, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid for believing this. Oh, God wants to do something great. They're like, God wants to continue to heal you of cancer. Will you commit to this lifestyle? Will you commit to being this way? Will you commit to only hanging out with these people who are going to pray over you, put oil on your head, and believe for healing for you in the moment? Yeah, what stupid you missed. Oh, I got one time. I just changed the act. I'll let him see my arm still. I went down twice. I, you think I would see a little bit of movement. You think I'd see a little bit of extra skin. You think I'd start seeing some scales fall. You think I'd start seeing some things. If my faith has made me well, as Jesus proclaims, he says, your faith has made you well. Why is it not making me well? Because Jesus also said, go. Your faith has made you well. Go is the process. So God has a way. Here we are three times. What is Naaman's probably wanting to quit, because I am. I'm sitting here, I'm waiting for this microwave miracle to be cooked, to be done, for the dinger to go off, and I'm like, it has been five minutes. I've gone down five times. Are you kidding me? We've been up five times now, and she hasn't changed at all. 
I haven't changed at all. I still have a sex addiction that's just not with my spouse. It's with someone else's spouse on a computer. Here I am five times down. I thought I'd be better by now. I thought he would by now. I thought he was the way maker. I thought he was the miracle worker. We sing it on Sunday. I believe it even when I can't see it that you're working. And here I am. He told me this was the process. And I'm going up and down and up and down. And nothing has happened yet. For a lot of us, we quit. We quit at seven. We quit right when we're about to have the breakthrough. Right when the meeting is going to happen between my spouse and my counselors, and, and it's finally going to give way to some real resolve. Something's going to shift in this moment, but because I'm stuck on six, I can't get to seven. And because I can't dunk seven, I can't walk out clean. And we quit. I want to encourage you today that on the other side of God's request, no matter how outlandish they may be, how out of this world they may seem, how illogical they might seem to somebody who's not a believer, when everybody in your life may look at you like you are the biggest idiot in the world, why do you still go to that church? Why do you still believe in that leader? Why do you still have that wife? Why do you still have that husband? He's done this. He's done that. Wait, why are you still allowing your kids to act this way? Why are you still working for that place? Whatever it is, when they start saying what you're doing is illogical. But you're trusting God in the faithfulness if you will come and you will submit will go down seven times if you don't stop at seven. If you will believe that God's request on the other side of it is God's resurrection. If you will take him at his word and believe that his word is going to give way. Give way to miracles. Give way to fruitfulness. Give way to faithfulness. Give way to relationship. Give way to victory. If you will believe that, that you will come up the eighth time and you will walk out. Maybe you didn't see the healing even up until the seventh one. But if you understand that he is more faithful to his word than you are. He is more faithful to his word than the weatherman is about the weather. He is more faithful to his word than the doctor is about your diagnosis. He is more faithful to his word than your spouse is to your marriage. He is more faithful to his word than anything else is faithful in the entire universe, entire existence. If you will still look at the scales on your arm, you'll see the water moving, you'll see it wash, and you'll see it still just festering. But if you will trust God at his request, I believe that when you come up on that eight time out, you will be clean. You will have your new beginning, and your flesh will be resurrected. Amen, church? So we're going to go into this last song, and worship team, I'm just going to chill here for a minute while you do it. He will begin to lead us. I just want to prophesy some things over our community, just just holler out, lose your mind. Our God is so good. He is so thick in this place. And we believe that he is thick right there in your living room or your dining table or wherever you are. That God is still with you in the midst of this whole thing. And we are just going to believe for heaven to invade your situation. Invade your bodies. Invade your home. Invade your mindset. And invade your faith. For a faith over fear kind of church, especially now more than ever. So worship team, would you begin to lead us? Church, would you just lead in at your computer? right now at your
salvation and abundance have been delivered through a church service and then delivered in four walls. Your salvation, a saved life, is available here and now at this time and in the afterlife and right where you are right now in your living room, in your dining room, in the comfort of your own bed, wherever you find yourself right now tuning in. Your God is faithful to his word, and he gave up his son so that whomever would call him Savior would then be saved. His abundant life, John 10, 10, it is available to you right now, a life that is overflowing, a life that's not without trials and troubles and situations, but you have a Christ that's above the trials, you have a Savior that's above the, the situations, and you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother in Jesus. Right now, wherever you are, if you just repeat these words after me. If you want to come home, if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, if you want to welcome in the Prince of Peace right now, when the world is ridden with fear, if you want to welcome in the Prince of Peace, the peace beyond all understanding, undeserved, unmerited, un under un understandable peace in this season that we find ourselves in, if you want a Christ, in this season and out of this season that will be with you through every situation, circumstance, this is your moment. You should repeat these words after me right where you are. Say, Jesus, thank you for wanting me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for coming back for me, for living for me, and for promising to me